I'm going to be speaking to the first reading into our gospel, which on Sundays, those two readings are always lined up with one another in some fashion. The second reading that we heard on matrimony is not necessarily lined up. Um, rarely is, does it have anything to do with the other two. But I want to speak about courage. <clears throat> courage, and they're, they're related, and there's examples in both the gospel and the first reading about it. In our first reading, Joshua, who is the successor of Moses, uh, is going to be leading his people out of the wilderness into the promised land. So we remember the story of Moses. Moses frees the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt, gets them through the Red Sea by the grace of God. They're in the wilderness, and now they're going to be moving on to the promised land. Moses sends a, three guys, or something like that, to the promised land to reconquer it, to check it out and see what's there. And the three come back and say, oh, we can't take this land. There's a race of giants there, and these people would crush us. They're so much stronger than us. So they don't go. Everyone chickens out. They chicken out. They don't trust God. They just don't trust God that God will, will make it happen. And so they need to spend 40 years in the wilderness. That's what God says to them. If you won't be obedient to me, if you won't go into the, into the promised land that I prepared for you, then you'll stay right where you're at in the wilderness. And so for 40 years, they get to eat dirt and get burned by the sun and slack their thirst on whatever. But now Moses has died. Moses has died. Joshua is the new leader of the Israelites. And he gathers the 12 tribes together. And he says to the 12 tribes, he says, I'm going across. I'm going across. And he says, choose this day who you will serve, but as for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. And so Joshua is saying, I'm going across, whether you do or not, me and my little family, we're going across the river Jordan. Up to you guys what you're going to do. None of you follow me. We'll go over there. We'll get slaughtered. Okay, we did what God wanted us to do. I don't know, maybe we'll go there and there'll be a golden glow around us and God will just have all the people bow down and worship us and serve us. I, I have no idea. What I know is that God has called me to cross this river and I'm going to have faith in that. I'm going to have courage and I'm going to cross this river. And so he does. He does. The mantle of my home in Stevenson. So our, my home was built in 1976 by my parents in Stevenson, big, beautiful home in the country. And on the mantle, as you walk through the front door, there's a foyer, sort of like a narthex area, and there's a big mantle. And my dad had written and sketched on there, he said these words, quote, choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The same exact words that Joshua said, to the 12 tribes. When you come to that house in Stevenson, you walk through that front door, you cannot miss it. You can see, well, whoever lives here or built this house was clearly a Christian, and they put it right out there for you. Right out there for you. It's a great statement of faith, but more than that, it's a statement of courage, isn't it? Because whoever is going to say that and put that out there is willing to be different from everyone else. And none of us want to be different. We want to blend in everywhere we're at. Be anonymous, and then at anonymity, there's protection. I'm just one of everyone else. I'm just a sheep in the herd. You know, when, 
when wolves or lions or whatever are going for a herd, they're trying to single out one that falls behind. If I can just stay up with the herd and just blend in with the herd, there's safety here in the herd. But sometimes Jesus says, no, I need you to step out of the herd. In fact, I need you to lead the herd to another place. And that's a dangerous thing, isn't it? We could lose our life. And what about you? That's the question that Jesus poses to his disciples today. Jesus has wrapped up his teaching on the Holy Eucharist. The bread and the wine will become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And you must eat it in order to have eternal life. You must eat me and gnaw my flesh and drink my blood. And the people say, you're crazy. That's cannibalism. We're not going to do that. Who do you think you are anyway? And Jesus will say, what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Meaning me. What if you were to see me ascend to the Father in heaven? Jesus goes on to say, It is the Spirit that gives life, while the flesh is of no avail. Jesus ultimately, in this dialogue with his disciples, gives them an ultimatum. No more middle ground, no more fitting in. I need to know, where do you stand? Are you with me? Are you crossing the River Jordan with me? Are you going to chicken out and hang back here with everyone else? And are you going to leave too? God will not suffer second place. Jesus is not going to be second place. We're either going to spend eternity worshiping him as numero uno for eternity, or we're going to suffer hellfire for choosing something else. In the end, it's a black and white decision. There is an ultimatum. And it requires a great deal of courage. A great deal of courage. But Jesus, in this statement to Peter and to the apostles, gives us a hint of how we might be more courageous. He says, it is the spirit that gives life, while the flesh is of no avail. Stop thinking about your flesh. Stop thinking about the world. Think about your immortal soul. And if that's where your focus is, your immortal soul, then you might just find your courage to be united to God. We are spiritual beings having a physical experience. We are spiritual beings having a physical experience. Our spirit will live for the rest of eternity. Our bodies will be dead. Some of you will be dead in God within the next year. Our bodies, for everyone here, will be dead and gone by, I don't know, the middle of the century or something. But our spirit, our souls, that's where it's at. And if that's our focus, then we might just have the courage to do those things, those simple things that we chicken out on, like going to a restaurant and praying before a meal. God forbid that someone should see me make the sign of the cross. That, to me, is the ultimate act of cowardice in the simplest, easiest expression of our faith. And we won't do it in front of a bunch of anonymous people that we'll never see again. It's like we'll never see them again. Are the the food server not going to serve us because we made the sign of the cross? Are people in the restaurant going to throw food at us? I mean, what? Why don't we do that? I've heard it said, and I have to maybe agree, that of all of the virtues, and there's something like 64, 
that courage is the hardest of the virtues. And we like to think, well, I, I'm not going to put up with that, and I'm brave, and that actually cowardice strikes us down about daily. I know I struggle with it. I struggle with it all the time. And like any virtue, it's something that has to be worked on. It's not something like, I woke up one morning and I was perfectly courageous, or perfectly chaste, or perfectly loving, or perfectly prudent, or temperate, or whatever. No, they're all virtues that require work. And they begin with the first little step. Talk about not praying at a restaurant. There are many of you here who at Christmas or Thanksgiving with your family gathered at home don't pray. That was the perfect time to say a prayer. Why? Well, it might offend that guy over there who doesn't like to go to Mass and whatever. That was the perfect time to, to make the sign of the cross, say a prayer, and to say, choose this day whom you will serve. Because we're all going to die. And we're going to stand before Jesus. And we're going to be judged. That's the truth. And those little tiny acts of courage, even with people that love us, they count for something. They count for something. How many times do we conceal our Catholic faith when people are talking or whatever? We don't speak up or whatever, you know, because we, I, we're, ch- we're chicken. We're cowards in that moment. Choose this day whom you will serve. Courage. Have courage. And of course this, that when we don't stand up to evil, even small evil, well, it's just a small little thing. Believe me, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. How do you go from Jews in the 1930s living like everyone else in Germany to within a decade going into ovens? Because people didn't stand up. Back when it was easy, they didn't stand up until finally it was a monolithic system that you couldn't do anything about. How did abortion become legal? Why are Catholics receiving communion who vote for abortion? Who stand up for politicians who proudly pronounce how pro-abortion rights they are? Ooh, they're going to stand before the man. It won't go well. And how did we ever get there? Because somebody was afraid to make the sign of the cross in a restaurant. Courage starts somewhere. It doesn't just float down on a cloud. It needs to be practiced, and by the grace of God, we can do it. Jesus says, let me get here. After Jesus says, "Uh, and what about you? Peter gets it right. Peter is owning it. Looking around, we remember the multitudes left Jesus, and he didn't go chasing after them. He let them go. And he turns to his apostles and says, And what about you? And this is where Peter stands up and says, Lord, we have nowhere else to go. You are the Holy One of God. He got it right. We've got nowhere else to go. You've given me an ultimatum. I guess I'm going to follow you. I have no idea where that goes. And yet Peter will still fall, won't he? At the Last Supper, he tells Jesus, Oh, I won't let anyone touch you. Are you kidding me, Jesus? And Jesus says, No, I'm, I'm not. Peter, you're going to deny me before the night's out. You're not going to make it to the foot of the cross. Courage, Peter, courage.
courage, courage. The first pope, I don't even know the man. Peter will ask, but what about us who've given up home and spouses and siblings and children and income and our reputations and and all of this for your sake? What, What will become of us? And Jesus said, you'll receive a hundredfold in the life to come. For those of you who are courageous and do the right thing, and it doesn't have to be this huge thing where we impale ourselves on, on a sword somewhere, but just the little, little courageous things. Sharing the faith with our spouse who doesn't want to hear about it. Sharing the faith with our siblings who don't want to hear about it. Sharing the faith with our children who don't want to hear about it. Sharing the faith with our grandchildren who don't want to hear about it. Modeling it for them, even though they don't want you to do that because it hurts their conscience. And they know, well, I didn't go across the river. I don't want to go across the river. Help them across the river. Wade into the water, turn and say, follow me. This is the promised land. All I see is a crucifix. It's the promised land. It's the hundredfold. It's the kingdom. But you've got to put skin in the game. To Joshua, surprise perhaps. What did the Jews do? When Joshua says, choose to stay whom you'll serve, but it's for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. The people say, then we will too. Maybe before he said it, the people were thinking, I ain't going across that river. Are you kidding me? Forget that. Those guys are giants. They have numbers 100 to 1 over there. They got everything. We got nothing. We got little rakes and shovels, and they got swords and shields, and they've got chariots. We're not going across that river. And then Joshua is the brave man and says, I'm going across with or without you. Choose this day. And then maybe there was one other in the crowd who found their courage and said, I'll go too. And then because that guy said it, there was another one in the crowd who said, well, if he's going to go and he's my brother, I'll go too. And then another and another until finally the whole 12 tribes said, we're going across. But there had to be someone who exercised the virtue of courage. Lastly, this. When my dad died 20 years ago, I was with my mom trying to figure out the tombstone. She wanted one tombstone. She was going to be married, buried next to him when she died. So we're looking at tombstones. And, and uh, we found a place, I think it was uh, somewhere between Vancouver and Washougal, who did tombstones sort of thing. And she wanted a rosary on the tombstone. The guy didn't know what a rosary was, so she had to give him a rosary and say, I want you to etch one of these on the tombstone. And the saying that she wanted on this tombstone was... Choose this day whom you will serve. It is for me and my house who will serve the Lord. And that's on their tombstone in Stevens. That's who they were. That's who they were. And their courage and their faith helped this guy in his. And today I hope I'm helping you. But it starts somewhere with each one of us in the smallest and simplest of acts. And if we'll do it, we'll work on that virtue of courage, which is the hardest of the virtues. Then great, great good will come for it. Not just for you, but for many others, known and unknown to you.